Hey there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. Thank you guys for joining me for yet another uh, episode, another season of these wonderful interviews. Um, I hope you guys have been loving them. Please, please, please feel free to leave me a review. Head to the website, madeinmetalpodcast.com if you're interested in sharing your own story. I just can't express enough how much I've enjoyed bringing everybody on. And today's guest is no different. Today, we will be speaking with Miss Haley Heckman. Haley and I spoke before and we had great vibes, a great conversation, and I was really excited to get her on here. Haley has a lot of great tips and strategies to share along with her own story. So hi, Haley. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on. Um, So like I said, we chat a little bit before and I would love for us to share with my audience what we chatted about. So let's get right back into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Maybe I can just briefly introduce myself. Absolutely. I'm Haley. I'm a social impact leader. I work have worked in the nonprofit sector now for just over 10 years in organizations that support mental wellness, disability, and youth organizations. And, and really, I have an, an immense passion for supporting people to see their potential and for creating spaces where we can identify strengths, where we can help people to, to really look at what, what their skills are in comparison to, to maybe where they've seen them before and how can we build their capacity using programs that really support the wide variety of needs that they may have in their life. So yeah, I am really happy to, to be here and to talk to your audience. You know, I think before we jumped on, we had some conversations around, you know, the importance of taking a strength-based approach to identifying skills. And yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's something I think about a lot. And yeah, I would love to to dive into that, you know, the importance of seeing the lived experiences that we've had and the challenges that we've overcome as as skills and the strengths that we've we've been able to bring into our lives based on the different things that we've faced. I would love to chat more about that. I can personally speak to the importance of framing your experiences in a healthy way. And I mean, in terms of taking the best of those experiences as opposed to letting the negative of it define you instead of, you know, allowing it to sort of consume you in sort of the other end of the spectrum, as opposed to turning towards the strength and resilience that brought you through that tough thing you're going through. So I would love to talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like you said, I think being able to to recognize the learning points in our experiences is so important. And, and being able to see, you know, with everything that we've been through, whether it's mental health challenge, whether it's, you know, a, a family situation that we've been through or a life experience that was really, you know, a struggle to get through at the time, like what was it that we were taught or that we learned from that experience? Things like, you know, resilience and adaptability and resourcefulness, you know, attention to detail and hypervigilance, networking sometimes if you've had to navigate different resources and self-awareness. So there's so many things that we, we gain from the lived experiences that we have. And one of the things that, 
you know, I really like to focus on in my work and with my team is how do we translate those lived experiences into skills that people can use in other aspects of their life? Maybe if they're searching for work or they're looking at potential career development or they're taking interest in educational opportunities, how do we really sell those skills that we have in a way that really promotes what we've learned from them and how it really has shaped our approach to life and the way that we present ourselves in the world. So that is so fascinating to me on many levels because often, like I said, we look at these skills such as like hypervigilance and hyperindependence, attention to detail, also the networking. Because I feel like that, again, can be both experiences, if, if that makes sense. Like you can have a, a negative life experience and completely shy away from wanting to connect with people, but you can also on the other side view your life experience as saying, oh, you know, if I had more of a community, if I was connected with more people, maybe that experience wouldn't have been so, so bad or however we may try to justify it. But taking those skills and applying them in such a way that we can use them to improve our life, improve our life standing and make some money. I think I have always, oh, I, I feel like that is very impactful. Something that I think that a lot of people would benefit from. So how do you go from essentially identifying these skills within yourself to then applying them, like you were saying, in terms of like a sort of monetizable or marketable skill? Yeah, well, I'd say first, you know, it's starting with, as you said, identifying those skills in yourself. And sometimes, you know, you're the best person to identify them. Sometimes you're not the best person to identify them. Sometimes it's really hard for us to see our own potential and our own skills from a situation. So really finding people in your community that you can ask those questions to, you know, what do you think I'm really good at? Or or, you know, what have you seen me do with that I really light up when I when I take interest in it? Or what do you think that these experiences that I've been through in my life have, what has that looked like to you from the outside? Because sometimes having that encouragement and having that mirror can be really helpful in identifying those skills, especially from people that we trust and maybe have seen us at different points in our life. Ooh. Yeah. And and once you've been able to to identify those either on your own or with those supports or a combination of those two things, I think it's really taking those and looking at, you know, how does this compare with either the work that I'm doing now or work that I'm really interested in doing and how can I demonstrate that? So, you know, if you're say looking at a job in marketing as an example, and you have a lot of of these experiences being resourceful and being able to identify patterns in different situations or find the right person to talk to, to help yourself out in a, in, in a different scenario. Those are all things that you can speak to either, you know, when you apply for a job or when you're in an interview, or even if you're just generally networking, it's something that you can speak to. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. We talk so much about credentials and, you know, typical you know, work experience, but these are things that really shape how you approach life, how you communicate with other people, how you see yourself, how you take feedback, like all of the things you've lived through really help to shape how you're going to respond to the world around you. And in a lot of ways, it's so much more beneficial than, you know, maybe something that you'd learned in school or some, a task that you were taught in a different job. So how can we translate that and speak to those experiences in a new way? All of the skills and the the strategies that you're speaking on in terms of 
having the ability to identify patterns, having the ability to ask for help, to be innovative, all of those things, you're right, are things that you develop going through your life experiences. It's just something that is sort of inherent in you. And it does translate very well to the workplace. There are, I I think there's a, a misconception that going through traumatic experiences or going through tough things will make you more sensitive or more fragile when, again, it can go either way in which you can be more sensitive, more fragile, or you can kind of step into trying to protect yourself from ever going through these experiences ever again. And then you become very high functioning in the corporate world. I feel like you you don't necessarily sort of blend into the worker bee persona. I feel like you you do kind of stand out. You have a very high work ethic. You hold yourself to higher standards. How do you balance that? Because I I feel I find myself pushing myself sometimes to not necessarily pass my limit, but I can definitely see how, you know, comparing myself to other people, which I know you should do and you shouldn't do, but in trying to, you know, identify, okay, am I in the right space right now or am I pushing myself too much? How do you sort of work that balance in where you're not being too high functioning, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, I think just to... Before I jump into that, just to go back to what you're saying about that level of sensitivity, I think sometimes that can actually be a really good thing that helps you in different situations. You might be the person who picks up on maybe a challenge that someone else is experiencing or a vibe in the room or an energy. And that might be something that really helps in the type of work that you do. So, you know, even being hypersensitive can be something that's a real value in the right environment. And I think that's important to recognize. But I think when it comes Mm -hmm. to finding balance... I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, knowing your your boundaries, knowing your limits, knowing, you know, when you're giving your all to something and when you're giving more than you have to something and and, mm. and recognizing when you hit that point. Yes. I think it's it's so easy to do, especially um, in organizations maybe that have limited resources or you wear many hats. It's so you can get to a point where you do so many different things that you maybe don't realize when you've hit that limit. But I think on a bigger picture scale, you know, organizations and leaders and organizations, you know, really modeling that level of balance and being vulnerable when they feel, you know, tired or they feel burnt out and being honest and authentic. I think that also shapes the environment. If, if someone who's in leadership is willing to say, you know, this is where my limit is and this is when I need help, it makes it a lot safer for other people to also feel like they can come forward and, and speak to that. So oh, yes. I think it's everybody in an organization feeling comfortable and confident being vulnerable about their experiences and where they are in terms of their their workload or their mental health or you know what's happening in the life that they have outside of their work as well. I think that culture has really shifted mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, for sure, in which before showing that vulnerability to, you know, your boss or somebody like that would be feel a little bit risque, you know what I mean? But now it's much more normalized, which I I really like. I think it's really helping sort of the collective mental health of the corporate world to take this approach. But I will I will also say that on the other side, being very introverted and being somebody who still very high functioning, 
it's difficult to set those boundaries to not wear those multiple hats. You know what I mean? Because you are in the, you are setting the standard of being somebody who delivers, being somebody that your colleagues can rely on. So, you know, they, they look to you for that support and you want to support them, even though it may be at your own detriment. But I do feel like being more vocal and being more transparent about where you are at home, where you are mentally with work has has become much more normalized, which I think is such a good thing. Such Mm -hmm. a good thing. And I've seen, you know, one thing that I, I did with a team many years ago was have people put together like a self care strategy that they could share with their colleagues. So like, what does stress look like on me? Like, do I, you know, am I complaining about having a headache or do I seem more tired? Like, what are some of the physical signs to look for that that other person is stressed? And then what helps me when I'm stressed? Because some, everybody has different strategies and it's so hard when you're feeling overwhelmed to identify your own Um, because your brain doesn't work that way. You're overwhelmed. (laughs) You're not going to figure out, oh yeah, taking a walk around the block. That's the thing that's going to make me feel more calm. (laughs) So having somebody else, like a buddy that knows what stress looks like on you and what might be able to help you so they can provide you with a reminder is Mm -hmm. is super helpful. Even if it's just one person, you know, that on your team, that can be that go-to person to be, to really look out for you in those situations and ask you what your schedule looks like and and work through those strategies with you is really valuable. So community, again, coming Mm -hmm. back to finding somebody that you can trust, finding someone that you can connect with to sort of help you both stay balanced. So would you say, I mean, could you speak a little bit to the importance of community and connecting with somebody, whether in the workplace or outside of it, to sort of help you manage, like you were just explaining, those physical triggers and having somebody sort of, you know, be that anchor? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. Sometimes we're not always, you know, the most impartial observers of ourselves because we know, you know, maybe we have some internalized beliefs about you know, what is expected of us or who we should be in a specific situation and having someone or a a group of people in our life that can help us to work through that is so important. You know, I think about as an example, if you're, what you were saying earlier, like if you're feeling really overworked, but your voice inside your head is telling you, well, I'm only valuable if I keep working or they're going to think that I'm not enough if I give up on this project or if I ask for help. And so having people in your life to remind you that that's not true is really important. And to ask you, you know, really thoughtful questions around, you know, your own self-care strategies, whether they be, you know, the time off that you take or how you pace yourself or asking for, you know, opportunities to delegate other things. Maybe if there's a lot on your plate, that can be so beneficial. I think the, you know, it's really about cultivating relationships that feel safe where you can be yourself and you can even just have that space to vent when you need it. You might not be looking for a solution and you might not want the person to solve the problem, but you need to get something, you know, out of your system. I think having people like that, that you can connect with is also like so essential to really having you know, a wide variety of, of tools that you can go to when you're feeling overwhelmed. Wow. Every time I have these conversations, I'm always struck by how important it really is to build that community, to be acknowledged, to be seen. It just 
continues to sort of reinforce that, the importance of, like you said, connecting with somebody who is your safe space or somebody that you can come to and be completely unfiltered and, and not be judged. That's a really important, that's a really important role to fill. And I just can't be overstated the value it has. You can be going through so many things, but you know, having somebody there to sort of ground you and to bring you back is so, it's unmatched. It really is. So you were speaking before on self-care strategies. So is that like essentially things that you use to, like I was saying earlier, ground you or to sort of bring you back into the present moment? Like what, what would you sort of classify as like a self-care strategy? Yeah. Well, I would say anything that helps you, like like you said, to either feel more grounded, to feel more energized, to feel more relaxed. It really also depends on what feeling you're looking to cultivate, right? If you're looking to feel more grounded, maybe your self-care strategy is you know, some breath work or some stretching or a walk around the block. But if maybe you're looking to feel more energized, then maybe your self-care strategy is putting on a song that makes you feel really excited and listening to that for a few minutes and, I don't know, dancing around your office or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you can have different self-care strategies for the mood that you're trying to create. And, you know, also, you know, little moments throughout your day where you can recalibrate are so important. Maybe it's just sitting by yourself if you're in a job that's really people-centered for five minutes, or if you're in a job that's really by yourself, maybe it's going out and being with people for five minutes. It really depends on what the what the context is for you. But I think everyone you know, benefits from taking stock of what makes them feel grounded, what makes them feel energized, and what makes them feel recharged. Oh, wow. So it really is sort of subjective on what the individual determines that they want to feel in that moment. It's, 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 oh, I like that. I, I like that much more than sort of the broader, you know, if you Take feel. a bubble bath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no disrespect to bubble baths. Okay. I actually love a good bubble bath, but yeah. sometimes you need a little bit more, you know, I'm like, dang, I'm in the bath. Okay. Why isn't it working? So yeah, no, I, I, so I, 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 like I said, I like that much better because I'll have moments where it's like, okay, I just want to go outside and sort of just read a book. Or I'll have moments where I'm like, I want to turn on music and twerk in the mirror. Or I'll mm-hmm. be like, I want to go for a run and feel like very, very strong. And, you know, like understanding that in those moments, every single moment is different and every single moment I'm going to need something different is very enlightening because it just helps you sort of put into context, like on, like you were saying, like if you get into that bubble bath and it's not working, you know, you don't feel like, oh my God, you know, nothing is going to help me in this moment. You instead, you pivot and you try something else, you know, you pull something else out the bag, but it's good to have multiple, you know, tools to pull out the bag. I really like that. Yeah. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to sort of leave with the listeners or anything that you want to say that are sort of like encompass your message or anything that you think people will really, really resonate with? Yeah, I think, you know, where we started this conversation about strengths, I think take some time to identify, you know, the strengths that you have or the things that you feel like you've accomplished throughout your life, whether they're big or they're small. I think sometimes we 
make such a big deal of certain milestones in our life. And we forget that there's so many learning opportunities that we've had along the way, or we forget that there maybe was a time where we didn't feel like we succeeded or we you know, struggled through something, but we it helped to build us into who we are. I think having that moment of self-reflection and really being you know, gracious with ourselves and knowing that we've changed over the course of our life and that we can continue to change and grow is so important. And I think, you know, if you're struggling with, you know, not feeling enough or feeling like you don't have strengths that you can call to, I think either find a a good friend or someone close to you that can help you to identify them or really ask yourself why you feel that way. Is there something that someone said to you at some point in your life, maybe they told you that you weren't good at this or this wasn't possible for you or that you weren't capable of this other thing and recognize that when that voice comes up for you, that it's someone else's voice, not your own voice. And use that <sighs> as as a, as a tool to help you identify, like, is this a belief that I truly have about myself or is this something someone told me, you know, one time and I've just absorbed it as truth? And how do I start to unlearn that those things are, are not necessarily true things about myself? And these are the gifts and these are the strengths and abilities that I have that I can bring to the world. Oh, oh my gosh. I love that. That gave me goosebumps. <laughs> you seriously, in, in using the verbiage gifts too, instead of like skills or even things like that, using gifts, like this is something that was changing the narrative, changing the narrative and, and changing the way that we viewed the things that happened to us, the shame, the guilt, you know, turning all of that into something more and not allowing that shame and that guilt and that negative self-talk to define us, which is so easy to do. And you really don't understand that it's somebody else's voice until you kind of do that work and, and do your research. And you're like, I never thought this about myself. Why is this such a, a belief that I hold so highly. Why have I defined myself by this? Yeah. And that's definitely, definitely a hallmark of sort of like the developmental trauma and being told by somebody like somebody you trust or an authority figure that this is what you are. But then, like you said, reaching out to somebody, connecting with somebody who sees you in that moment and can tell you in that moment that that is not true. Yeah. That's life-changing. That's life-changing. And I think, you know, with that, one thing when it comes to that that negative self-belief sometimes that we have, I think it's taking the core of what you believe to be true and reframing it. So, you know, if someone told you, I don't know, your eighth grade teacher told you you weren't very creative because you couldn't draw out of the picture of the apple, what other mm-hmm. ways are you creative? Like drawing is not the only way to be creative. What other ways oh are God, you? Yes. It might be how you connect with people. It might be how you see the world. It might be writing. It might like there's so many different ways to have skills and abilities. And sometimes we limit ourselves and say like, well, I'm not good at this. Therefore, I don't have this skill at all when that isn't actually true. And so I think reframing some of the things that we think are true into really being curious with ourselves and being a detective into the things that we enjoy and the things that we like to do and the things that we're drawn to or passionate about and and use those as a way to explore our strengths. Wow. I mean, I like, uh, like, again, this whole conversation, I just feel like so helpful to me. <laughs> and I feel like that's going to be super helpful to my listeners. That last thing you said about 
reframing and not internalizing that initial, you know, narrative that you believed for so long, I think is so, so important. And I think it's very difficult to do, but once you do, it, it, it really does change everything for you. So with that, Haley, thank you so much for this super helpful, insightful conversation into resilience, into strength, into reframing your skill sets, into not letting your past define you in, in a way that is unrealistic, to living in the moment, to being present, everything. I really appreciate it, Haley. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Yes, I really enjoyed talking to you. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you guys absorbed this conversation. Haley dropped so many gems and really, really tried to understand the importance of connecting with somebody, the importance of reframing those narratives and taking those skills that you may view as sort of bad things against you or things that are less than desirable and viewing them as marketable, viewing them as positives, viewing them as strengths. So needed. So with that, just a reminder, I love each and every one of you. And please, please, please do not forget to bloom where you are planted. Mm -hmm.